want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to the twelfth chapter of the book of First Corinthians, and we have been studying the subject of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, and uh, I want you to look with us in verse eight. This is the verse that begins the uh, gifts of the Spirit in this. 12th, uh, 12th chapter here, 1 Corinthians, and uh, I'm going to read it to you again, but I'm not going to go into detail. We'll finally get down to verse 10, which is where most of the gifts are all mentioned in one verse. So in verse 8 it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. And then in verse 9, And another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gifts of healing. By the same Spirit. Now in verse 10, uh, it begins by saying to another the working of miracles. And we explained to you last week how that the gifts of healings is, is, is the one gift that's mentioned in plural. So that every healing is a gift from God and God uses someone in, by, in which that gifts of healing to an individual can be imparted through them. And sometimes the gifts of healings are not instant. Sometimes they are the beginning. A person can be going down, they can be dying, they can be prayed for, and they are healed, but the healing process will take time. And I think many of you have had those kind of experiences where you've been prayed for. Uh, God does not always do everything instantaneously. He does sometimes, but not always. And so when he does not do it instantaneous, it does not mean God is not doing it in his own way, in his own time. Praise the Lord. So God has ways of healing, and the Bible says that to another means to another person. One, it doesn't say others, it says to another, meaning in the congregation or whatever, however, it can be more than one, of course. But to another, the working of miracles, and to another, prophecy. And uh, to another, discerning of spirits, and to another, diverse kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, the working of miracles we explained is different than the gifts of healing in the sense that a miracle is instantaneous. It can be a physical handicap, it can be a physical uh, impairment, it can be uh, affliction, it can be a sickness, but it can be instantaneously done, instantaneous. And those things do happen. And God, of course, he uses people to uh, work these miracles. They are simply called miracles. I've had a few of those happen in my life. I think I've given you examples of it. I only say it for example purposes, not to, not to say anything about myself. But over the many years of preaching the gospel, I've seen some things like that happen. Really instantaneous miracles. And saw a woman healed of a brain tumor instantly that was paralyzed sitting in a wheelchair. Instantly got up out of the wheelchair and danced all over the place. And never went back to the wheelchair again, never. It was all over with. Saw a blind boy when I was very young. Saw a blind boy healed. They could not see. He was 12 years old. And uh, his grandfather brought him to church, Crawfordville, Indiana. We prayed for that boy. It wasn't just me. It was also me and the pastor together praying for him. And the Lord instantly healed that young man, and he could see there was a baptistry, and there was a behind an open section, and behind it was a picture of Jesus holding a little lamb in his arms and uh, in a painting. 
and uh, he instantly saw that and began to yell, jump up and down, and say, I see that picture, I see that picture. And he was instantly a wonderful miracle. Of course, needless to say, uh, half the town turned out the next day to the revival. It was packed out, and uh, no air conditioning, the windows were all open, and people were all outside. So God did it for his glory, for his purpose, and everything like that. I want to say that, that these are gifts that God has put in the church. Now, let me explain to you here, there's a difference between uh, the gift, if we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then there's also devotional gifts. I explained this to you. And then there's also, in, in the very next to the last, there is a gift of tongues in which a message can come forth to a congregation with this gift. Uh, the, uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is for people who receive the Holy Ghost to receive. It's for us to have. It's for us to be baptized with. And uh, the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, if you'll look with me for a moment here, uh, look in the, and I'll get into some of these other things in just, just a moment, but uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you look in uh, Isaiah 28, 11, let me show you something. It was prophesied that speaking in tongues would come to pass. Look in Isaiah uh, 28, 11 for just a moment. This is one that most are familiar with. Or with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. What happened with Israel when the day of Pentecost, here that 120 that was in the upper room, began to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. And they heard them speaking in languages of countries that they were from. Now, they were all Jews, but they had come to Israel uh, from other countries to celebrate the, the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after the Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, one of the uh, five uh, feast days of, of Israel. And so these people were all there, and they heard these people that were Galileans all speaking in languages that they knew the Galileans didn't know, and they were their own languages where they could hear. And they said, what meaneth this? And then Peter preached to them. This is that spoken of by the prophet Joel. Saying, in the last day I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he began to preach it in the word of God. And so then finally they said, man, brother, what shall we do? What shall we do? And when faith comes into the picture, there's always what shall we do? It's not just what do we believe, but what shall we do? Faith is also an action. It's an action. By faith they marched around the walls of Jericho. By faith, they kept the Passover. Faith is an action thing. And so they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is uh, that that God has promised that he would pour upon the people. And the, uh, over in John 3, uh, 3.26 says, uh, over in John uh, uh, 330, uh, 3.16, I'm trying to say, that's one of the easiest scriptures in the world. John 3.16, it says that, uh, that I'm sorry, I'm thinking of John 3.5. Let me get over there, and then I won't, I won't be stumbling around here. I'll have it right, I'm sorry. I messed you up here. I get into different areas of this real quick. Uh, uh, where is it? Where is it? 
My goodness, my goodness. All right. All right, here we go. Three, five it is. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, say unto you, except a man be born of water and a spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. So being born of the spirit is essential. Being born of the spirit. So we have to be born in the spirit. Now, if you can visualize a house, and when you walk into the house, you're in the house. You understand what I'm saying? You are in the house. So when you walk into the house, you're in the house, and uh, you're, uh, to say like, that's the body of Christ, that's the church, you're in the church. But in the house, there are rooms. There's the living room, the dining room, there's the kitchen, uh, there is, uh, let's say it's three bedrooms and two baths and whatever. Let's say all together there's nine rooms in the house. When you come into the church, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're in the, the body of Christ. You're in the body. But in the body of Christ, there's also the gifts that are in the church or in the body of Christ. And there are not, everybody does not have the gift or the same gifts. And we'll be talking to you about that in a moment because what one person can have, another person has something else. Because God has blessed all of his people and there is a place and a ministry for every person in the church in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to be showing you that in a few moments. Let me move on very quick. I want to deal with the gifts of the spirit. Then I'm going to move here into the part about the body of Christ. And uh, the Bible says, bore by one spirit. I'm looking here, really, I was jumping ahead. It's 12, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It must be born of water and spirit. Water is baptism by immersion. In the name of Jesus, born of the spirit, is being baptized with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as they did in the early, as they did in the church, in the Bible in the early days. Now, I want you to look with me, if you would. I'm going to pick up here, uh, verse 10, to another working of miracles. We talked about that. To another prophecy. Now, let me talk to you about the gift of prophecy here. The gift of prophecy is that anointed testimony. Uh, prophets of the Old Testament were both foretellers and forth-tellers. F-O-R-T-H-E, forth, declaring it ahead of time. They were foretellers. That means they told what would happen in the future. But they were also who declared the word of God right then and there. They were forth-tellers. In other words, they were preachers. The word prophet means preacher. And so in the Old Testament, there are prophets. In the Bible here, we have what's called five major prophets and 12 minor prophets. They're called major because their books are bigger. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Lamentations, Daniel, and so forth. And the others, of course, were smaller writings. Sometimes they were only one chapter, two chapters, three chapters long. But there were, tw there were 12 of these all together. Now, I point that out to you that they were called prophets because they would declare the word of God both foretelling and foretelling. There were some prophets who never wrote anything. Elijah never wrote a book. Elisha never wrote a book. There are many others that you, you, you don't hear their name as often as those two who never wrote any book because their foretelling, their, their foretelling was in abundance. Their foretelling was fulfilled in their own lifetime and in their own time. So there was no time that was given for our generation or for generations that were yet to come. So prophecy, praise the Lord, is that 
a gift of God, that anointing of God that comes on a person to preach the word of God. Let me show you a verse of scripture over here in Revelation for just a moment. If you look with me at us in Revelation, uh, Revelation 19, uh, 10. Revelation 19, 10. I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, this is a John when an angel appeared unto him. He fell unto his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Listen, look at this very closely. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the Lord wants us to understand here that prophecy is not just standing up and your eyes rolling back in your head and you give forth a speech, you know, that's supposed to be spiritual and everybody's supposed to heed to it and so forth. But there, it's about Jesus Christ. Everything's about Jesus, folks. Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, for they are they which testify of me. In the Old Testament, it's filled with testimonies of Jesus Christ and all, all about his life, his teachings, his healings, his crucifixion, uh, his birth, everything is all in that Old Testament and is scattered all through there. And it's our job to search them all out. Praise the Lord. This is a, a little uh, homemade uh, chart here that I've got. I'm going to get a focus here for you. Uh, let me get it where you can see it. Can everybody see that? I mean, it's really... It's really uh, something else. But I thank God for, the, for those people who the office who's helping to do Now, notice the cross, Calvary's in the middle. Notice the Old Testament. Those three men represent the prophets of the Old Testament. They represent the prophets of the Old Testament. Notice they're all pointing to Calvary. Notice that. So that the prophets of the Old Testament in their testimony, their prophecies, and in their word that they gave, they all point to Calvary. In the New Testament, we point back to Calvary. We preach Calvary. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I claim to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. As intelligent and as brilliant as Paul was, when he went forth preaching the gospel, he preached Jesus Christ, him crucified, because by the shedding of his blood does the remission of sins come. Amen. And so that's the grace of God. Calvary is the grace of God. God died on, Jesus died on the cross that we might be saved. His blood was shed that we might be saved. That's the grace of God. We are saved by grace and that through faith. Faith is our reaction or our, or our actions to Calvary. Praise the Lord. In other words, you can apply Calvary to your life or you can walk away from it and leave it. But all of the New Testament is pointing to Calvary. And I just wanted to show you that as an example here of how that this scripture here says that uh, that for the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, whether it was from the old or, for, or is still today in the new, is the uh, is the spirit of prophecy. Excuse me. <coughs> so that spirit of prophecy. That's why when preachers get in the pulpit. They may not have been intended to be that way, but they get loud and they get 
fired up and they get anointed that's what we know to be the anointing of God and so when they get anointed they just declare Jesus Christ praise the Lord they talk about the Lord and they preach Jesus Christ amen now I want to go a little bit further here because I want to talk to you here a little bit more not only about the prophecy prophecy part but it also just says discerning of spirits uh, look with us again in verse 11 I'm back here in I'm sorry I'm back here at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 in verse 10 it is. For to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. What is discerning of spirits? This is the gift that God gives some, usually ministers, in which they can discern the spirit of somebody. They will know whether that person is evil wicked uh, they've got ill intentions or whether they are discouraged or despondent or whether they're living in sin I mean there's there, uh, I've only known a few people that had this gift of discernment that I knew for sure that they did uh, many years ago when I was pastoring Port St. Joe Florida that's that little town one of those little towns that was sort of wiped out by that hurricane as you well know here a few weeks ago but my, we were pastoring up there. We pastored there for six years. And then along about my fifth year, I got, became very discouraged. And I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I just, I just seem like I'm just, I don't know where I'm going. I, I just need some encouragement. I don't have nobody to talk to. I was just feeling really, and you know, you get into a pity party like that. And you just get discouraged. And I remember that there was a uh, brother, D.L. Welch, from Pensacola. He was my old pastor. I grew up in Pensacola as a young boy until I was about 10 years old. Then I moved to Miami. But at 10 years old, he had been my pastor in the church. And uh, I knew Brother Welch. And so he, had, he was coming to Panama City to speak at the church there. So I decided to drive over on, a, on an off night and hear him speak. And everything. And when I went over there, and we he got through preaching, and I was going around, and we were shaking hands. He shook hands with me and looked at me, and nobody knew what was in my heart. Not even my wife. He shook my hands, and he had a way of doing his chin like this. People knew him, knew he was like that. He looked at me like this, and he says, "When do you have midweek service?" I said, "Wednesday." He says, "I'm going." This was like on a Friday night on a youth act service. He said, I'm going to be with you next Wednesday. Okay. I said, that's wonderful. I'll, I'll announce it to our church that you're coming. In my heart, I thought, this man is so busy, he, he, he won't remember to come to little old Port St. Joe and be with me on Wednesday night. You know, I felt that way. And uh, anyhow, I went on, you know, and I told our people, I said, Brother Welch is going to be with us Wednesday night. Well, anytime he's going to show up, there's a lot of people that will show up to hear him. And so I announced it Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, sure enough, he walked into church. He got up and he spoke to the people. Then he went home with my wife and I. And, and he said, I'm going to spend the night here with you tonight. Yeah, fine. We got, we got an extra bedroom. Everything's fine. So anyhow, he's going to spend the night with you. We sit around and talk for a long time. And he said, yeah, I'll tell you what we're going to do. And he said, let's get a radio broadcast going. He, he knew how I felt because he had that gift of discernment. And he said, we're going to get a radio broadcast going. I said, okay, brother, that'd be fine. He said, I will send you a tape every week 
and uh, you give it to them on Saturday and he says uh, they'll play it Sunday morning about 9 o'clock I said okay uh, for the next year we had a radio broadcast he paid all the payments for the radio broadcast that represented the church and he only sent one tape in that whole year I found out I found out that if I didn't go down and make a tape on Saturday, there wasn't going to be no tape played. <laughs> so I learned that very quickly, praise the Lord. And every Saturday I'd go down and cut a tape, and I'd say, if you don't get a tape from me from D.L. Welch, you play this tape. He said, okay. So I was on the air every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, and I'd cut on Saturday. And he'd call me every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, about 9 o'clock. He said, Brother Myers, I didn't get over there. I didn't get to send that tape this week. You go ahead and take care of it. He thought I was going down there at 9 o'clock and preaching and then going from there right straight to the church. Actually, I'd cut the tape the night, the day before. But the point is, this man called me up every Sunday morning just to hear his voice on the phone. The phone would ring. And I said, that's Brother Welch. And I said, hello, he said, this is Brother Welch. I just want to tell you, go ahead and take care of the broadcast this morning. I said, all right. And just the fact that he was calling. And you don't know how that lifted my spirit. And then he said, hey, we're going to bring a tent down here. We're going to put up a tent revival. We're going to have a tent revival here. We're going to stir up this town. And I'm telling you what, I mean, he got things moving. And I know in my own heart and spirit that God had shown him I needed sleep. Now, sometimes you go through things like that. You go through things like that. You never know when God has spoken to somebody to help you and to what to do and everything involved like that but God speaks in all kinds of ways about all kinds of things uh, brother brother Welch he uh, he knew nobody ever told him but there was a preacher in our Florida district who was living in sin and he knew it he didn't know it but he, he, he discerned it he talked to that guy one day and the Lord showed him that he went to that guy and he said look he said, if you're living in sin, he said, don't bring a disgrace against the church of the living God. He said, you get out, re resign, turn in your license, leave the ministry. Don't live in sin like this and bring reproach on the name of the Lord. And the guy looked, his eyes, his mouth fell open, his eyes were big. And he was dumbfounded that Brother Welsh knew that, but God has shown him that. I'm just trying to say here that God does things like that. He shows and he reveals it. And the Lord did that, of course, uh, to Paul in the book of Acts. He would reveal things to him. Uh, I'm gonna, I think this is the, chapter 13, verse 9. Uh, he, was, he went to, Paul went to a place in Cyprus, the island of Cyprus. Went to a place called Paphos. And there was a man there who was trying to follow the, the, the things of the Lord and he was a, he was a, a seducer. And uh, the Bible says in verse 9, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteous, righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And so he discerned that this guy was full of evil. And of course, 
and Paul laid, Paul pronounced that man judgment on that man and that man went blind and went around staggered because he was blind because he had such evil in his heart but Paul praise the Lord had that gift of discernment in which so I'm just trying to give you an idea what the gift of discernment is all about and how it works let me move on here because my time's getting away I've got a lot of things to cover look at the next one here this is in verse um Yeah, let me get it right. Okay. Verse 10. Working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, and another diverse kinds of tongues. This is the gift of tongues, in which a person is given that gift, uh, in which they will just, in the, in the, usually which a message is given by the preacher toward the end of the service. Uh, God wants to <clears throat> put an emphasis on the message. And uh, he will send to give a gift to the person who has the gift of tongues. And he will use a person who has this gift. That person not gifted, used in every service in this fashion. They're not used, you know, just, you, you never know when. You can't, you can't determine it. But that person usually knows in themselves that there's going to be a message in tongues. And when that time comes, that message will come forth. All of a sudden, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, they will begin to speak forth the, uh, in tongues. And and then the Bible goes on to say here, and that's called the gift of tongues uh, in, that, in that sense of the word. And to another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So another person can have the interpretation. Sometimes it's the same one because God says if you have the gift of tongues, pray that you also have the interpretation or that you interpret. And so I know my wife has the gift of tongues. Most of you know that. And... Uh, She's had that as long as I've been married to her. We've been married 63 years. She had it, she got it when she was a young teenage girl. And she's been used all over America in different conferences and meetings and revivals and everything in that fashion. She's very sensitive to the Spirit, knows about it. <clears throat> but only uh, probably uh, maybe 30 years ago did she uh, receive the, the gift of interpretation. She prayed for that and said, Lord, give me also the gift of interpretation. I can interpret it because sometimes that was a message in tongues, but there was no interpretation. And so I just want to say here that these are gifts that God gives, and he gives them to us as individuals us as individuals and the purpose is that it may be a blessing to the whole congregation you all of you know that whenever there's a message that goes forth from the pulpit and then there's a message in tongues interpretation it always strengthens us in the faith this is the lord speaking to us and says you've heard my word this is exactly what i'm going to do this is the way i want you to be or whatever and he will give us those messages in tongues and it's a great encouragement to us to help us to walk on with god and to understand that god is there he is here he is there he is here he is everywhere there's no place he is not and God wants us to follow him, live for him, serve him, folks. And God really wants you to be saved. He wants every one of us to be saved. Now I'm going to go a little further here. And I'm watching that clock. Okay, I see it. Uh, I have a watch here, but I'm making sure that I follow that clock up there. I want you to look with me now in verse 12. I'm going to change the subject. Subject's going to be changed here. Paul changes suddenly. He says, verse 12, we're in 12, 12 of 1 Corinthians. For as the body is one and hath many members, and that's what Paul's talking about. Different members in the body of Christ has a different gift or has different gifts. 
For as the body is one and have many members, and all the members that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. By one spirit. In other words, this one spirit is from which all of the gifts of the spirit comes forth. Comes forth. And uh, without going any further, I might make mention here. Not only are there the nine gifts of the spirit that are mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 15. But there are nine fruits of the spirit or fruit of the spirit. They're, the word fruit can be plural or singular. You know, sometimes it's spelled fruit, sometimes fruit, depending on how it's used. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and here's, here's the fruit of the Spirit, is, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God gives you the fruit of the Spirit. And these are characteristics that identify the Holy Ghost being inside of us. And I just want to tell you here again, we all can have and should have, we all have and should have the fruit of the Spirit. But we do not all have the gifts of the Spirit. You understand what we're saying here? But the Lord talks about how that we are all baptized into one body, verse 13 here. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be of Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, whether... Uh, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, look at verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. The body has many members. So we are all members of the body of Christ. And we're all different. We're all different. And the Lord knows that. The Lord knows that. So I want you to look very closely at what I'm going to be reading to you here. Because it's not God's will that anyone in the church be left out of the body of Christ or feel left out or feel like you don't belong. If you ever hear, you ever feel like you don't belong, you say, devil, get behind me, get out of the way. That's, not, that's a lie. You do belong. That's why you're here. That's why God saved you. That's why he loved you. That's why you felt the, whole, the spirit of God tug at you before you ever came to the altar. Whatever. That's why, why God filled you with the Holy Ghost. Because you belong. And if you don't yet have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, keep asking God to give it to you. He will give it to you, flood your soul with it, and give you joy unspeakable. He said, this is the rest wherewith the weary shall rest. It'll put rest in your soul. You can be like this inside, and God will just bring peace and rest to your soul with the baptism of his spirit. Let me move on here. I want to show you something. It says, verse 15, if the foot... Uh, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Everything is important. Everything is important. Verse 18, now, but now have God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. Praise the Lord. And we all have gifts of one type or another. We have attributes. 
We have things that we bring to the kingdom of God that God sees that are value and he will use you in those things and he wants us to know that there's a place for every one of us. Now I'm going to point out some things to you here because some people are still, they're still not convinced, you know, you know, I, I can't, what can I do? I can't do this, I can't do that. No, no, no. There is a place in the body of Christ for every soul. And I want you to look with me here in verse 19. And if they all, uh, and if they were all one member, where were the body? Verse twenty. But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Notice that. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now look at verse twenty-two very closely here. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary necessary now I'm going to go a little further here and these members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncommonly parts have a more abundant commonness I'm just going to talk about the natural body here a minute is it better to have a pretty nose or a pretty liver? No, that sounds funny and a little weird. But all of us know how important the liver is. You can't live without your liver, right? And you don't have trouble with your liver. But I mean, there's people that says, oh, my nose is crooked, my nose is this, his nose is that, whatever it is, you know. I'm just using the nose as an example. Because it's just right there in front of our face. Somebody said, you know, we can, we can put emphasis on this, the nose, and think that that's so important in our life where what's inside and you don't see is more important. I think it was Streisand, Barbara Streisand, that's the one that sings, isn't she? Everything, when she first started singing, they said, you're going to have to have a nose operation. She said, no, if my singing won't get it done, then I'm not going to, then it won't happen. She's one of the greatest, I guess, popular singers or whatever it is, world singers that there has been. And everything, she said, no, I'm not going to have no nose operation. But what I'm trying to point out to you here, I'm not talking about all that stuff so much as I'm talking about how that the things that we don't see sometimes are much more important the things on the inside, the uncomely parts. There, you know, we see somebody in the pulpit preaching or singing. We see our singers up there, musicians and so forth. God bless every one of them. What, what would we do without them? But there are people in this audience who have a place in the kingdom of God and a role they play that's not so visible that this church would be disaster without it. Now let me just talk to you a little bit about prayer. Build a personal prayer life. Something about people that know how to pray. People that, people that know how to get a hold of God. If you get in trouble, that's the ones you go looking for. If somebody tells you that you've got a real problem, a doctor gives you a bad re medical report, and you say, oh, I'm in trouble, i got a problem going now. You're not going to look for somebody to sing to you. God bless our singers. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying that they are visible. 
you know, they're the ones that you see. But you want somebody that can pray. And God bless you people who have developed a prayer life. If you have not developed a prayer life, let me encourage you to develop a prayer life. And your prayer life, praise the Lord, will take you a long way in a lot of things and a lot of situations. But we have to develop individually. We have a tendency sometimes to rely, if we're young people, to rely on mom and dad. And sometimes rely on a brother or sister, you know, if we get older or something. They really know how to pray, or a good friend even. But we as individuals, every one of us, need to develop a very special and personal prayer life. We've got to have that prayer life. Praise the Lord. And the way you do that is say, God, I'm going to set aside a time that I can talk to you. And just figure out how you can do it. We say, oh, I'm so busy. I can go busy. No, no, no. None of us can be so busy that we don't have time to pray. And I'm talking to you here today how important it is to establish a prayer life. And if you have a church that's full of prayer warriors, we call them, but just prayer praying people, we think, you know, I know we come together on Wednesday night and we pray. Is that the only time we pray? Is that the only time, let me say it this way, is that the only time you pray as an individual? You want to have a personal prayer life until you can just pray and talk to Jesus. Praise the Lord. And that's no big deal. If you, if you, I knew a guy one time, he sat down in a chair and he put a chair across from him. And he talked to that chair and that's the way he prayed. That's why it was him. That was him. That's not me. That's not you. But that was him. You know. But people who have prayer life, they have a place they pray. They got an altar. It's not, you know, regular wooden things that's been cut out and padded and all that stuff. It's just a, a chair or a place in their house and a time in which they say, Jesus, I've come before you. I want to just talk to you today. And have a systematic way. This is why we have things on the screen on Wednesday night between 7 and 730. We're praying in order to give us a, a sort of a guide. I have a personal guide I follow. I have a, have a, have a little a guide system in my mind that I follow prayer. Uh, Sister Myers, my wife, as you know, has put out a booklet on how to pray. And it's taken from the Lord's Prayer. When they said, the Lord teach us to pray. And Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer. Well, that just seemed like a short prayer. But in that Lord's Prayer is a system of praying. How we worship and how we ask God for things. And the way we approach God and all those things. And how we conclude our prayer and all that. And she has, she's written a, a, a book on it, a booklet she has. And everything, that's available to you. But I'm just trying to say here, develop a prayer life. Because if we would develop a prayer life, folks, God can make you strong in the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm just telling you, all the gifts will come through that prayer life. All the blessings of God will come, and you'll have a place. You may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. You may not be able to play a music instrument. You may be shy about getting up and speaking to people. You know, you may be, you know, you couldn't even hardly get up and stand in front of people and say anything. That's just not you. You know, but I'm just trying to tell you here that you can have a prayer life. I'll tell you another gift that you can develop. And that's to be a witness. Learn how to be a witness. How do you do that, brother? I'm scared to talk to anybody. Just start talking to people. Praise the Lord. I, uh... I found out something. I, you know, I go walking in the mall. I go walking around the mall. 
and they a lot of them around there now know who I am and they know I'm bishop and when we have these dramas I take a bunch of these tracks I asked at one time if I could you know put these things out and do all this and, that, and they said no 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 you can't do that but I can personally hand them out you know what I mean and I give them cards of the location of the church and so when it comes to time the drama there I started giving I said this you know Bishop Myers here I'm giving you I'm inviting you to this inviting you to that but I thought you know what a wonderful thing it is to do that on a regular basis to learn to develop a witnessing way you know a witnessing program y'all years ago when the church was very small and we we had only just been 35 years ago there's only 6,000 people I think when we moved here in Palm Bay can you believe that 6,000 people and all of them was right over here you know uh, on, on Malabar Boulevard I think it was Palm Bay Road just very very fine and everything one summer one summer I, I, I knocked on every door in Palm Bay and that was back when it was very small some people said that's impossible but I know it's impossible now but back then I did that but I'd get up at 9 o'clock in the morning I was knocking on my first door and the reason I didn't mind doing that's because I'd been in the insurance business for 12 years I understood you know about getting out and talking to people and so forth and I didn't mind it but you know we, we can develop things like this be friendly with people you know meet people hand them a card hand them a track hand them a, you can do it in the store but I'm just trying to say we all have gifts and you can develop something about yourself that's very special very particular very peculiar that nobody else can quite have quite like you we all folks have a place and don't you ever ever let the enemy tell you there is no place in the kingdom of God for you that's a lie because the Bible says it right here that God has not made everybody the eye he's not made everybody the ear he's not made everybody the foot not made everybody the, the hand you know we all have our place in the kingdom of God and God has brought it all together now I'm going to finish reading here this uh, I don't want to go over my time I'm going to finish reading here in this uh, portion of the 12th chapter and I'm going to look at verse 25 for there should be no schisms schisms in the body that is divisions in other words little cliques and groups here and we're this way that way and we don't have nothing to do with that group no 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 we're all in harmony together praise the Lord my ears amen here they work with my mouth my nose uh, my brain my, you know whatever my hand works with my feet praise God you know everything about your body works together and the Lord said that's the way the body of Christ is and if we all work together in part that's why we're and we believe in missions because the body of Christ is not just the local assembly but it's all over and so we are contributors to those who are weaker or can't don't have the funds that's why the pastor is in, in Ghana with uh, with this group, a group of our people trying to help people over there and to get uh, and get them established in the faith and the things that they do when they go overseas I'm just trying to say here today it's a wonderful thing to be a part of the body of Christ and we are all part of it we are all part of it praise the Lord and don't let ever let the enemy says you don't belong you're not part of it you know you're not no 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 and if nothing else just you start making a prayer life and say you start praying you may become the prayer warrior or God may say I'm going to use you this way or I'm going to use you that way and however God wants to use you but all of us are to be part of the member of the body of Christ I'm going to verse 26 and 27 I'm going to finish up here 
<clears throat> and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. For our one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So we're all members of the body. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Praise the Lord. So we're the body of Christ. You're looking at the body of Christ. The body of the Christ is not only this church, but all the other churches. It's all, all the other churches in Florida, all the other churches in America, all the other churches in the world. We're all the body of Christ. And one day, folks, we'll walk with him in white. Amen. Jesus coming back. Hallelujah. Jesus coming back. Praise the Lord, and we'll be with the Lord, and we, we will be his people, and we will be just with him, and we'll all be that body of Christ that was on earth, and then we'll be with Christ for eternity. And I cannot imagine what heaven is going to be like, but whatever it is, it's going to be something that you and I, our brains cannot even comprehend how great and wonderful and glorious it will be to be with Christ and to live forever and never no pain, never no suffering, never no disappointment, never no unhappiness. It's something we can't even comprehend because we are still of this earth earthly, but Jesus is coming. Let's stand together and give him the praise. Let's worship God together. Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, your power, your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for these services that we've had this morning and we're about to have again. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessings upon us every Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Remain standing as our musicians and singers come at this time.